Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. Welcome, everybody, to uh, A Faith That Makes Sense. Uh, we're here in episode four of our series called Spellbound. And uh, this is how Western Christianity became enslaved to the gods of this world. And we're, we're entitling this episode, A Decision to Believe the Truth. And uh, so Dan is here with me. And uh, Back at it. Yeah, well, here, here we go. My name is Wes. Uh, I'm kind of the uh, I'm kind of the newbie here, and that's my role. <laughs> I just kind of ask questions and poke a little bit and move the ball forward a little bit. And uh, so I'm just wondering, Dan, what are we talking about today? What is this a decision to believe the truth? What does that mean? Well, somebody said to me the other day that when they heard the first episode, it seemed to go in the direction of being able to explain the big picture. And then it seemed to digress into an area that when we got into leggings and the bathing suit and kind mm -hmm. of stuff, and it said it, they thought that it kind of didn't stay in that theme and mm. or or develop it right. Enough. To why why I all of a sudden started going over there? Right. And I thought we were going to kind of work through and explain how we gradually unveil the idea that one leads to the other. Right, one idol you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Kind of expands on the whole thing. Okay. However, I really didn't complete that thought, so mm. I thought today we would. Let's do it. Yeah, so I have a question. Mm -hmm. We just read from <laughs> Psalm 91 to 4, mm -hmm. and what do you think it means when he says he turns man to destruction and says return, ye children of men? What do you mm. think that means? Well... Got to get the context gotcha. here, Dan. Yeah. You know, I don't want to cut you off guard. Yeah, it's, well, it's okay, but you know, I uh, I like a good challenge. Prayer of Moses, the man of God. Okay, um, I, I just without any real yeah. <laughs> thought and research into this, uh, it's I read this as um, the Lord, uh, as as my understanding is sometimes the Lord let's go of the tether and he lets man do what he is unfortunately naturally bent to do. Yeah. So the Lord does not cause us to sin, but sometimes he allows us to fall into it and the consequences of those sins destroy us. And he says, well, this is, this is what you wanted. This is what you desired. However, it's deadly. And you're, you're, you are, as he says, return. Oh, children of men, obviously. Um, that's like, uh, Either it's a callback to repentance, right? Yeah. So, anyways, that's that, that's kind of where I'm thinking. That's kind of what you're thinking. Well, because it goes along with the big picture. Because mm -hmm. Moses is the one who gives us the first five books of the Bible, right? Right. And he's supposed to be able to lay the groundwork for us. Right. However, what we want to do is take it from the New Testament point of view now, and see how the idols fit into the big picture. That God is drawing for us. Okay. And so what we want to say is John, the apostle, actually the Lord gives him a vision mm. that opens a door and it literally says, 
a door was opened in heaven yep. and I entered through it. He said, come up here. And so he's able to see a bigger picture than the rest of us. And that's why Paul always used that phrase, the mystery of creation mm. is now being revealed. And Moses didn't have that. What Moses had was the original creation, and that's what he gives us in Genesis. So what we want to do is be able to go back and build that big picture so that then we can see, well, why would these idols fit into this period of time? Mm. So that's why. But well, So you're just, talking about how the idols fit into God's grand oh, redemptive plan. Is that's that what you're it. talking about? That's okay. it. Okay. Gotcha. And then it makes more sense, and that's why we have a faith that makes sense, right? Okay. We want to be able to say, well, why why now? Why these things? Mm, okay. Why okay. is God letting us fall into this, you're saying? Exactly. Okay. So who is the Trinity? And that's where we're just going to—we're not going to go down deep into any of these themes. We just want to draw the big picture. Mm, okay. But we want to just take what John gives us. Right. And John gives us an image of the Father upon the throne. Mm. And he says, like diamonds and jasper, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's no real image of God, but God is on this throne. And then at the right hand, we know that Christ is there. Yeah. And so Revelation 4 tells us, um, or 5, is that it's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yep. And he has seven horns, seven eyes, which is a little bit you know, freaky to Yeah, the to seven understand. is that perfect number though, that, right? It's a lot of imagery. Right. So and That's right. And it says, which are the seven spirits of God, mm -hmm. right? And then before the throne, we have the seven lamps that are burning, which mm -hmm. is the Holy Spirit, which represent the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so they, we have the Trinity. But what I want to draw first from that is, is who is the Trinity or who is God? And in, ex, in a reference to his character, Mm. because okay. how do we normally see God? If you were to talk to someone on the street you, and you were talking about God, you say, give me, what do you think of God? Mm. What do you think about him? Mm. And what are they going to come up with? Whew. Nowadays? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> God is in each of us. We're, we're gods in our, ourselves and we make the reality in our ourselves. That That, that would be... What I assume most people would say. Okay, what about Christians? Christians. Huh. <laughs> what kind of Christians? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Bible-based Christians? Yeah. Or, uh, but okay, let's let's yeah. say Just in general, how do, they, how do they perceive? If they go into prayer, mm. that, that would be, yeah. I guess, the, the easier question. Yeah, that's... Oh. You go into prayer, how yeah. do you see God? Yeah, you probably pray to God as some sort of like father figure i'm assuming yeah. a lot of people would come to it that way or where they pray to christ as th their savior figure right um i don't know i don't know how i know how i did good question eh? <laughs> <laughs> i know i i you know like actually and it's funny we've been talking about this a little bit is like how should we pray to god and what what way do we do that and you know as you've probably heard like you pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, That's right? right. So, I mean, it's a good That's way of looking it is. at it, right? But it is, and it's consistent. Yeah. <clears throat> so our point, my, the point I want to be, draw attention to is, though, how many of us, and even in the secular world, if you were to say God, mm. they don't have a positive it's image true. of that. No, it's true. Or yeah. they don't have the, the first words, 
kindness, love, yep. mercy, mm. peace, yep. Fruits joy. Fruits of the Spirit, right? Yeah. 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 That's, and that's not good mm. because that's who God is. Yeah. Yep. And so when we see the Trinity sitting on the throne, and that's what I want to draw attention to and just leave it there, is this idea of perfect goodness, perfect love. He, they cannot do anything that is evil, mm -hmm. sinful. Yep. They can't do anything that's going to hurt anyone mm -hmm. unfairly, unjustly. Mm -hmm. Right. And their only real perspective of creation is, I love you. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, like, that's right. <clears throat> I created you mm -hmm. for my good pleasure, the word says. Yep my good pleasure right and so that's not so a selfish way we want to be careful that we don't think of it as right oh you're here for me right. so i can enjoy you right you know but i mean ultimately pleasure. god is god right we're that's his right. right so yeah we can be selfish god can't yeah, be selfish. Yeah, that's right <laughs> we're already his so. yeah and <laughs> if we lose that image we creation and uh the unfolding of god's mystery becomes frightful right. or it can become heavy burdensome rather than the god, good news of the gospel that yep. god has forgiven us and redeemed us in that okay and so, who's working all things out for the good of his people yes right yes. and that's the second part is like it's not it's not just heaven okay it's like yeah. and everything is terrible on earth and and it's right. just going to be excellent in just heaven yeah. it will be yeah but the Lord is working out things here and now as well. Exactly. Right? Right. So. And that's what we want to zero in on later mm -hmm. is because okay. what is he working out here, right? We yeah. want to be able to define that and, right. and at least move in a direction where it gives us more insight. Mm -hmm. on that. Okay. okay. But the second thing I want to talk about is something that most people don't include in the scenario and in the unfolding of things. And that is I want to jump from not the Genesis but to the Paul's revelation of mystery and, and the Apostle John, mm. where we have in Hebrews, and we don't know really who wrote it, mm. but we have at the same time a city of God mm. and a heavenly Jerusalem. And in Galatians it says, who is the mother of us all. That, that's important. Mm. That's an important phrase. We also have the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So before we get to the creation part, we need to recognize the kingdom part. And the reason for that is, is because it's the reference of what's going to happen down here. Mm. And like so, in the future, you're saying? No. Yeah, I guess even in Genesis, when he created the heavens and the earth. So, so what I want to draw a picture of, like, and what's very difficult for us, I mean, because it just pushes our limits and we have to come to a stop, is that God is outside of everything. Mm, yeah. That's not easy for us in every direction yep. and in all ways. Mm -hmm. All-knowing, all-powerful, right. and everywhere present. Mm -hmm. How do you imagine that? Right? That's right. So, but there is a kingdom that he has created, mm -hmm. and there is a, a realm of glory where the Jerusalem above exists. So when we start our Bible reading and we say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we got to say, okay, now wait a minute. Now we know that in heaven there was a trinity mm -hmm. and there is also a kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And that's the end goal. Mm -hmm. The consummation of those, those two things, right? That's in right. In the end of days. 
at the end of days. So, so now when we move into it, I want us to be able to see like a, a cylinder approach mm. to the universe. Okay. So we have the universe, the heavens that we think of as the universe, and also the earth. So when he created the heavens and the earth. Now the interesting thing about it is he could have just said, bang, it's all here. Right. Because let's, let's face it, he created the earth that was covered in water. Yep. And he created what he says, the heavens and the earth, but he didn't even put the stars in yet. No. Yeah. He could have. Yeah. He could have done that right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons for that is, is because when he created it originally, and it says to us, um, it was without form and void, the earth. Yep. And then he said, let there be light. And that wasn't even natural light. No, that was him. That, that was him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And, and that's another thing people yeah. don't realize, right? Yeah. And that one of the things we do want to say as a caveat, too, is that all this is done by who? The Father? The Son? The Son. The Son, right. All yeah. things were created by Jesus. <laughs> Through the Son and by the Son, yes. Yes. That's correct. <laughs> right. And he is the head of all principalities and powers. It's the classic Bible, or no, uh, Sunday school. You, you ask a question. You go, yeah. Bible, Jesus, yep. God. <laughs> go through all the five. That's it's, right. Okay. So one of the, the other things I want to be able to do is, is mention just briefly that in the throne room of God, when John sees that vision, he also sees something else. What's he see? Four creatures that go around the throne of God and cry what? Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Mm -hmm. You know, strange question, but when do you think that those creatures were created? Um, infinite past. <coughs> okay, and, and I would pro I would agree with you that yeah. they've always been there. Like, yeah, I think so. We, we can't understand it. No, but but always been there. Yeah. However, what were the faces on those creatures? Do you know what they were? Wasn't the one like a lion and um? What was he? I I don't know. An I eagle. Don't know. Okay, lion, a man, eagle, a man, and a calf, right? Okay. Yeah. And so. Because they are the representations of the eagle is what? The power of the air, mm. right? The lion is the power of the jungle, mm. we would say, or, or the animals. The calf is, is the power of servant, you know, in there. And man is, the, is God's image, image. right? Mm. But it's interesting because if those things like you, we both just said, were from times past... They existed before they existed on Earth. Right. And that's exactly it. Okay. And, or, that's a little different. Like, it gives us this perspective that yeah. when God created this, he was well ahead of things. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It just, was, it just wasn't like in the Garden of Eden and, or when he began to create it. It's like, ah, oh, maybe I should just put an eagle Let's try there. this one out. Let's yeah. try this. Yeah. It already was around his throne. Yeah. It's true. And see, the picture I'm trying to draw from that is, is that these things were already in place. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God. Yeah. The and and I like it when it says in First Thessalonians that you would walk worthy of the calling of the kingdom of God, mm. because that points us where we're going. Yep. And so that's the end point. Mm -hmm. And so when we see the beginning of the uh, heavens and the earth. We want to then shift to principalities and powers. Mm. Because if we leave them out, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but That's against right. principalities and powers. And they mm -hmm. were 
certainly there in the garden. Yep. Right? Yep. To cause the fall in yep. the original fall. So now we have to include them in the scenario. And we see this massive amount of angels. And then we have the third part, which is what most of us would agree as Christians. When they fell, when Lucifer fell, uh, a third went with them. Yep. The, from the revelation. Yep. And so we have what they call principalities and powers. But then we have angels and archangels. Yep. And that kind of thing. Yep. So these forces are part of this plan. That's there. That's right. So now, now we're able to see that we're going to jump to the idea of uh, man in the garden. Mm-hmm. And, we, and when we look at that, the hard part for us is we always place everything finished. And this is where I want to kind of start to move in a different direction. Because um, where Jesus says, when he gives us his Lord's Prayer, what's he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. Thy kingdom come mm-hmm. right they will be done yep and what's the bookend at the end the bookend at the end is for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever right yep so i have a question now mm-hmm. okay and that is how old are you like when were you born uh 90 90 yep okay <laughs> okay i got a head start on you Let okay me tell good, you. Good, yeah <laughs> and the thing is the strange, I think, I think, wow, that's really strange how you decided to do this, God. <laughs> In the sense that when we're born, we are born with that blank slate, right? And you have what neurological correct connections is what we're, we're looking at. And I have a picture right there, if you can see it. You can see it up there. Yeah. And that is yeah. a newborn, uh, fifth, eight months and 15 months okay and you begin to see this this a few connections yeah and then within a few months you have a whole lot of more connections right and then in 15 months you have this whole network yeah of of things things. yeah so the child is trying to put together his environment right right and when you say blank slate you're talking in terms of like physiological blank slate yeah not a a sinful soul standing because we're not in a blank slate. In no, terms no, of no. That. We're definitely not talking about that. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because some people actually believe we're neutral, right? Oh, yeah. At the beginning. We're no. not saying that. We're born in sin. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of the brain. The brain. The brain and its function. And you're right. Like the, the neurons and the interconnectedness and all the things that happen is uh, it's a mystery. And I actually am convinced consciousness and things of that nature will always be a mystery. But anyways, actually, I heard someone say that very thing. There's two two great mysteries of for scientists, and mm-hmm. that is where did everything come from? Yep. And co- man's consciousness. That's right. Where did consciousness come from? That's right. They can't explain because it. we're not animals. Yep. You're Wes. I'm Dan, and yep. we're not the same. That's right. <laughs> and yep. I know that. Yep. We know that. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so the reason I point that out is because now Wes, 1993, 1990. Is, 1990, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have 93 in my mind for a reason. <laughs> um, 1990, you're growing up and you're learning from your environment, which is the heavy influences of your parents. Mm-hmm. 
and then next is your community and next is your education like in in the way in which you relate things that oh i never knew that i didn't mm. know that yeah but it doesn't come all at once you're not even 15 when you start at nine uh, in 1990 you're still this little guy who they pluck here and and send over here and you go with them there mm -hmm. what is the most important thing as far as spiritual or god's plan that is it is a factor in there that's confusing mm. and that is they're defining for you what is good and evil right you're discovering and it's like well of course this is what mom and dad said this mm -hmm. is what everybody believes yep and you're working through this just as a person i, I accept that i don't mm -hmm. i don't how could i think any differently right and then obviously well, how we would look at it is we would believe as you get older, you begin to think for yourself and you begin to evaluate things. But the social environment and the influence it has is huge yep. on all of us. Yep. But as Christians, and this is where it gets a little tricky, is because it's like you said a minute ago when we had to chuckle, well, which Christians, mm -hmm. right? Yep. We, there is so, so much diversity of what people believe. And then we're growing up, at, say, in Canada. We're Canadians. So we're heavily influenced by Canadian culture. Mm -hmm. And so not only are we being told what's right and wrong from our parents, but we're all being affected by how we think as Canadians and then how we think as Westerners and, and that kind of thing. Yep. And so, right. so, so my point being, as we grow up, we just take for granted that they know the truth and they're telling us the that's truth. right that's right but you grew up in 1990 and actually you didn't no you grew up really in the late 90s that's right and the early 2000s that's right yeah where you're starting to form thoughts for yourself that's right yeah and that starts in middle school let's say when you maybe maybe 10 years old and up at that point, you're you're starting to like really figure things out. Maybe younger too, but and really figuring out what? Well, I hate to say it, but myself figuring yeah. out who I am, right? Yeah. And of course, along with that is who am I in light of Christ, in light of the Lord and what He has done, right? Right. So that's Wes. Yep. How many others are thinking that way? <laughs> Like how many others Wes's are you saying? Or? No, how many others we grew up in Canada? See, and and I'm going to jump. I grew up in the '60s, right, mm -hmm. and the early '70s. And so the point being, I was affected by the '60s and '70s culture. Right. You're yeah. affected by the '90s and 2000s. That's right. And you're learning what they are presenting to you. So my question is, related to the idea you just said. I'm trying to figure things out as a Christian. 90% of the culture or above is not thinking Christian. Right. Right. And so they're influencing us in a way that is not even going in that direction. In fact, rebelling against God. It's true. Yeah, it's very true. Which means almost I had to learn what not to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is what the world is doing. Oh, I can... 
I can say, mm, then I shouldn't do that. <clears throat> and of course, it is contradictory to the the word, which of course I would have started to slowly learn as well. But, right. Uh, I would say, however, mm, my parents did a good job in my own upbringing, keeping the community that I was around pretty Christianly, even though the culture at large was like long gone. Right. Like even I remember <laughs> my parents were like, no, you're not allowed to watch The Simpsons, right. for example. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> like looking back, The Simpsons, pretty like pretty, pretty light, right? right? But at the time they were like, no, that's yeah. that's just trash. You're not going to mm -hmm. watch that. But like So but that anyway. raises a good question because when your parents said that, were they looking at it from your point of view? Or were they looking at it from their biblical point of view, having grown up in a different era? I would say both. Right. Right, so, both. So so now you, which is really important in our conversation, yeah. because you're saying, well, now it's pretty mild. Like, that, yeah. I'm not so sure why they didn't want me to watch that. Right. Is that true? Or have you... Of course. Have you been changed? Have Has my goalpost moved? Moved. Yes. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay. I would say yes. And and I think maybe that's what you're maybe trying to lead us to. That's is right. That goalpost has moved for 6,000 years. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Actually, and I, I wonder, uh, you think about it, how did the goalpost move so far that the Lord Still. flooded the earth? Right. How did That's that a good happen point. so quickly? Yeah, <laughs> I always wonder that. But anyways, well, we're gonna we're gonna explain that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Perfect. like through our podcast, yeah. we're gonna nail that right down. Oh, all right. Okay, I believe it anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. like I don't think we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> so one of one of the things because through our understanding our strongholds, we can understand exactly what ha happened in the first six thousand years. Mm. Honestly, I believe that. And in fact, I believe that when we understand these, the depth of these strongholds that are in our, our world now, that are influencing us to no end, um, you'll be able to really redefine everything you read mm. and everything you uh, witness and experience. And I mean, that's a bold statement, mm. and I understand. But I think it flushes itself out. So, okay. So what I want to do now is I want to be able to explain to you as Wes is growing up, this is the world he lives in. Now, this is Eugene Peterson, and he's and this is 1996. So you were six years old when he wrote this. Okay. Okay. Historically, evangelical Christians have served the church by bringing in sharpness and to matters of belief and behavior, insisting on personal involvement, injecting energy and passion returning daily to the scriptures for command and guidance and providing communities of commitment. But presently, 1996, this is not an equivalent in, is not equivalent in matters of spirituality. It turns out that we have been affected by our secularizing culture far more than we had realized. Evangelicals have been uncritically internalizing the world's ways and bringing them into churches without anyone noticing. In particular, we have internalized the world's fascination with technology 
and its enthusiasm for activities. Interesting. This is Eugene Peterson, too. Eugene Peterson. He's not... <laughs> He's not a bastion for orthodoxy, I would say, but no. that's interesting. <laughs> oh, I, I, in fact, if you think he's not, you just don't read some of his stuff that he comes up with because everybody thinks Eugene is this um, the guy with the message Bible, mm -hmm. but he has a lot of opinion hmm. about a lot of things. Wow. And, and I, yeah. And well, as they actually, say sometimes, the clock is always right twice a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not everything and, no. and I would say like for anybody like who is like yeah. Eugene Peterson like throw him out I would say everything he says weigh in okay yeah against scripture oh I found stuff fascinating from what he says yeah and the fact that he's a wordsmith I just yeah I love that because <laughs> right. it's such a weakness of mine <laughs> okay so now I want to tell you about 50 people who reinforced re-endorsed uh, Colson's book, The Faith. Okay. Oh, I don't know if I know fifth, this. Fifth, uh, yeah, it's called The Faith by Charles Colson. Oh. And 50 of the most reputable people in the Christian church endorsed it inside the cover. Is this so, bad or good? I'm not good. Give, oh, this is oh good. really okay. good. Yeah. Okay. He was saying, he was saying basically the same thing, but here's the quote I want to give to explain why he wrote that. He said, most professing Christians don't know what they believe, so they can neither understand nor defend the Christian faith, much less live it. Hmm. Many of the things we tell non-believers do not represent real Christianity. Hmm. So ouch. why do I yeah, ouch. Why do I say that? I want to give one more example before we kind of move through this. Okay. And that is 1993, and that's where I was that was why uh, I kept saying yep, 19. Yep. Uh, Os Guinness writes, fat bodies, <laughs> fit minds, fat bodies. Okay. okay? I, I didn't think the title was really great. It should have been the closing of the Christian mind. Yeah. Like Alan Bloom's The Closing of the American Mind. Mm. Do you know that book? Uh, I know about it, yep. Yeah, where about yep. Okay, so it's what Os says is um, really that the Christian mind has been lost. Mm -hmm. Now, this is 1993, and he, and he quotes this in here. He quotes uh, Bla uh, Harry Blamers and uh, Charles Millack, and I'm just going to read the two quotes that are really short. This was at a Bill the Billy Graham Center uh, at Wheaton College. He gave this address. This is Charles Millack, and he says, I must be frank with you. The greatest danger besetting American evangelical Christianity is the danger of anti-intellectualism. Okay, and then the, the second quote from uh, Blamers is, There is no longer a Christian mind. The Christian mind has succumbed to the secular drift with a degree of weakness unmatched in Christian history. Hmm. So the and that's the point of his book is that Christians are more concerned about their physical health than they oh. are their Christian understanding of what's oh. going on around them. Huh. And so I give those quotes for this reason. Here's Wes growing up in an evangelical world that rem remember is quite small yeah. and limited <clears throat> and it's drifted. Yeah. And these people are calling it out and you're you're learning that though. Mm, yeah, I'm learning what the church is currently. 
Right. And that's my context for what is center, right? And good and evil. Right, right. But it's already drifted. It's already <laughs> drifted. Right. From, like, kind of like with that uh, ice flow analogy, we're coming back to that. Yeah, right? we're going to come back to that a, is, uh, a few times. I think we're close to the North Pole because I'm, I'm on this ice flow. But actually, actually it's moved away. You're drifting yep. south. Yep. I'm, I'm moving away from it. Yeah. I don't That's even exactly know. exactly it. it. Okay. So if we go back to the scenario of, because we're trying to draw this big picture, right, of there is the Trinity, there is the Jerusalem above, mm -hmm. and there is the creation. And the reason I want to move back to that is what do we know about the creation and you're going to wonder why I'm jumping back, but we'll see this in a second. What is there about the creation we know it's temporary? Now, well, now we, what we, wanted, we want to stop for a minute. Yeah. And we want to say they didn't know that. Who's yeah, they? Adam and Eve didn't know oh, it. Okay. And, and Moses' generation, hmm. to the degree that they saw the Messiah coming. Sure. Right? They were looking towards Christ. Christ. Mostly. Mostly coming. Yeah. yeah. But... In the original creation, you've got Adam and Eve in the garden yeah. and all the good. God says he's, he looked at it and it was good. Okay. But we have what makes it temporary? Uh, what, what are some of the things that we know this is not going to last? This is not going to last. This is going to be a temporary situation. And we're talking context of Old Testament or new? Both both well we're told like we're told that you know like paul talks about the creation groaning exactly the that's great consummated yep. right um where else does it happen um actually just in in the in the features of creation yeah what would limit it there's problems with it like and, physical yeah like physical the design mm. The situation we can understand because I want to use old and new at the same time. Like, for instance, there's principalities and powers working against us. In the kingdom of heaven, there is not. That's right. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah, they're bound. You know, they've been judged. Yeah. Yes. So in this creation, we have an enemy who's trying to get us to fall. Mm -hmm. But on the basic side, we have a universe that's dark. Right. That doesn't happen in heaven. Mm. There is no night. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the Lord is our light. Right. There, is, there are no oceans, mm -hmm. believe it or not, in heaven. And that's mm. a strange thing, but it specifically says that because oceans snuff out light. Right. Mm. And see, if, you, if, we, if we even take the image of the throne, what is before God's throne? A sea of glass. Yeah, sea of glass, yeah. Because everything's transparent because there's no hiding of anything. Right, right. And so the other thing is we know from the New Testament the first Adam was a living soul. Mm. The second Adam is a quickening spirit. The first Adam is earth and earthly. Mm -hmm. The second Adam is the Lord from heaven. It's heavenly, yeah. Yep. So what we want to draw from that is to be able – this is the key. Mm. <laughs> It's a temporary situation. Yep. And why that's important is because as we put it into our scenario of what we just, our first uh, opening um, psalm there, psalm yeah. from Moses, 
we begin to see from Revelation the picture coming together. Right, right. If it's this the final, is a, the final page. In other words, this is what it's all moving towards. Right. Yeah. So if we see this universe and this world as a in in this cylindrical kind of bubble, yeah, it's going to come to an end. Yeah. Yep. And God planned that from the beginning. Yes. So when secular society says to us, oh, you have a God who couldn't even keep his his creatures from sinning right. against him. Right. No, he had the tree there for a reason. Yes, right. You know. Yeah. This and is part of the plan. This is part of the, yes. And so what we want to draw from now and move into is um, the 7,000 year period mm. that actually we should be able to see now how the duration of this world was for 7,000 years. The, mm. the, and so what we want to do, we want to take off the end, because we're going to leave that, and that is the millennial reign of Christ. So then you move down to 6,000 years. So the reason I'm doing that is, is because we know, uh, biblically, we can go back right that 6,000 years, like we've said. Yeah. And when you think about how small that 6,000 is, for instance, Adam took up the first day. Yeah. If we look at it, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, as Peter says, and as Moses just said. Okay. Right? Okay. That's what we yep. read. Yep. And so the second person is Noah, and he takes up another thousand. Mm. That's two days. Mm. So two days... Of a 6,000 years of that we know from world history, as far as the Bible goes, because we can go back the dates that are given to us in the Bible, the years and the uh, even the archaeology we're finding now that substantiates mm. our thing. Okay. What, we, what we're looking at now is, is we come to this point where Christ comes at the end of the fourth day or the 4,000 years. And so... When That's, you're talking when he was on Earth. On Earth. Yeah. First. Yes. Okay. So when he when he was born into the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is the be the the beginning of the fifth day. Right. Is basically what it is. Okay. But the world is actually small, or hit man's history is small when you look at it that yeah. way. Yeah. You begin to see it as this. It. What's What's the most important part about the scenario of? A thousand years for the millennial reign and six thousand years that we know of right now it comes in, it comes into the point of um we're gonna say a shelf life mm. is what i'm getting at okay it's very that, short that we know it has to come to an end because yeah. it's not the eternal kingdom right we know it does yeah and so if it's coming to an end, and biblically, there is so much evidence to show you that it's the 7,000 years mm. with the millennial off at the end okay. because we don't have that yet. Right. It, it does something for the scenario we want to be able to address mm. that is maybe not so fun that people would want to look at mm. because what what is the era we live in Wh where are we in this scenario well we're at the very tail end 
of this 6,000. We're almost yeah. there, right? We're almost the, there. Now, that would mean from a premillennial view, we're coming into what we call the tribulation, right? Exactly. Mm, okay. Okay. So, like most people would not realize, and because once again, I have to go back to what Oz says. Mm. Many Christians are not studying. They're not paying attention to what's mm. going on. They're kind of drifting along is what they're saying, right? Yeah. So now we come to the point where we, we've got to be able to adjust. This is not 2020. Like, and, and I don't mean that, you know, in a mysterious kind of way. Biblically, we haven't hit that 6,000 years yet, but we're really close. Right. right. And what does the Bible say it's going to be like at the end? Doesn't Christ say like woe to the mothers who are nursing or pregnant yeah. at this time? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. He says all kinds of like <laughs> scary stuff. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> but but we don't want to be frightened by it. Mm. But I guess the biggest question is, and this is a challenge for us: if we are that close to the end, and the evidences are like kind of overwhelming mm. of what we're uh, what we're looking at um, are we playing those out or are we gonna put all those evidences next in the next episode you think yeah we probably will do that okay yeah because what we what what I wanted to do from this is just draw the picture of if we're at the end of the six thousand years which is pretty conclusive. if you do some math okay if you do, we're roughly all you now. have to do yeah you okay. just have to do the math okay that having a shelf life for this world makes sense mm -hmm. yep. because of the features that we want to talk about. Right. The, the strongholds. Right. Why these particular strongholds come at the end mm. and how they've manifested themselves in the past. Okay. Now, I will say, okay. I come at this from an all-millennial view. Okay. However, the idea that the world is going to be wrapped up and consummated is absolutely across all three views pre uh and post like that right. it doesn't matter right how you lay out those end years it is dependent upon that view oh but for sure everybody agrees it doesn't matter who you are if you're a christian you know the world will end or will be consummated it right. will be wrapped up as a scroll yeah. and the you know heaven shall descend yeah. and man will make his dwelling upon among the lord right that, right that's what we believe and we know that for a fact that's right you can't so, be a christian and not know that no exactly exactly and so what we want to zero in on though is the strongholds at the end mm, okay and how they apply and why they would apply now okay but do we want to stop now? I think we're going to have to. I think we're going to have to leave you guys <laughs> a, bit of a, a cliffhanger on what these evidences are for strongholds in the end of days, which, you know, that's kind of where our view right. is right now. We're sort of laying this argument out. We're at the end here. The strongholds are strong. Yeah. <laughs> the influence is spell great. Binding. Yes. It's spellbinding. That's right. Exactly. Well, and with that, we're going to quickly wrap this up and uh, we're going to have a part two to this episode following this. So thank you guys for listening with us. And uh, hopefully this was uh, a little bit more enlightening to where to where we're going. And uh, as always, guys, we have an email. So if you have any questions or thoughts or input, um, our email is a faith that makes sense 
Um, again, that's makes sense with two S's at outlook.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we hope you guys have a blessed day. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of life in our Lord Jesus Christ endures forever. <laughs>